0: Oh yeah! You put your right foot in, you take your right foot out. You do the hokey pokey, and you work it all out.
1: Stop.
2: How you do the hokey pokey? And you turn yourself around. That's
0: what it's all about.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the Monthly Movie Dispatch. We get together every month and talk about what movies we've seen, what we recommend, and what to avoid. What separates us from the other 100,000 other movie-related shows is that we're high school friends that have been talking to movies for 15 years. We love talking film, and we're doing it even if no one's listening. Anyway, I'm Nick Moffitt. I'm here in Marysville, Washington. I'm here with Brandon Bulby. Hey, guys. Who's in New York City, and Sean Bulby. Hello. Who's in Seattle, Washington. So uh, yeah, this month we're going to be talking about September, uh, October is right around the corner, and we're going to be gearing up for uh, the end of the year where all the Oscar movies and the big uh, critically acclaimed movies are coming out, so we're going to do a big preview for that. We're going to do a spoiler review for the new Nick Cage film, Mandy, and uh, talk about the other movies you've seen, but first things first, we're going to do our Summer Movie Wager recap. Uh, Brandon won the Summer Movie Wager. Yes. Um, which uh, we talked about in the last episode. Yeah, so yeah, once again, congratulations, Brandon. Uh, good job. Um, one thing we do need to talk about, though, was we recorded that episode a little little early, a little premature. Because uh, a lot changed in the last weekend. Like, surprisingly, more changed than we could have expected. Um, the Meg which uh, was not in the top 10 when we recorded it, it bumped into the number 10 slot, kicking out Mamma Mia. So both me and Brandon lost those Mamma Mia points, which bumped me down the list quite a bit. And then the big, the big surprise that none of us actually saw, we were kind of expecting the Mamma Mia thing, but the big thing that no, none of us saw was that um, in the last day, like it, not August 31st, September 1st on Labor Day, um, probably about 6,000 people went and saw Ant-Man versus the Wasp bumping it ahead of Solo. So, um, how did that change things? Well, um, it just, uh, it made everything a lot closer. Um, basically, uh, Derek and Brandon were only separated by one point. So that's, a that's kind of a crazy development. Um, it straight up made me lose the contest in my other league, which was a huge disappointment. So, um, yeah, I think, Sean, Sean, you mentioned that also now you said in the last episode that you had won the top five, but it turns out Derek actually was much closer in the top five.
1: Yeah, Derek got, uh, got more points in his top five than, than I did because of that, which uh, I, I, that's what I'd kind of been saying from the beginning is that I think I was going to get at least the top five, most points from the top five, but not anymore.
0: And on what planet? Would anyone think Ant-Man and the Wasp would make more than a Han Solo film? That is insanity.
2: If you had told me that Ant-Man was going to be more successful than a Star Wars movie, it's like, really? Uh, ooh, that movie must have must have bombed. But yeah. It just goes to show you that people love the Marvel movies and people did not like Solo. Anyway, so Brandon won that contest. And uh, he got to pick a movie for all of us to watch, and he chose A Separation. Um, Brandon, do you want to give us a little uh, rundown on The Separation and maybe just briefly say why, why, why did you pick this movie for us?
0: Um, so A Separation came out in, I believe, 2011. Uh, it won Best Foreign Film Oscar uh, the following year at the Academy Awards. And I didn't see it until a couple years ago. I went actually to a movie theater because I'd been hearing so much about it and saw like a rescreening of it. And I remember stepping out of that theater and just being like, holy fuck, I just watched one of the best movies ever made. And like, it's so rare that you have that feeling. Like, I just knew it. I was like, this, is, this hands down is one of them, like top five, top 10 that I've ever seen. Um, and no one I knew had seen it, so I was really excited to hopefully share that with you guys. and hopefully we'll see if you guys felt somewhat of the same. <laughs> I love that you're using this word hopefully, because I know that none
2: of us put our rating on letterbox yet. so you've been just sitting around,, uh, you know staring at that space on letterbox that that I've icon been refreshing of the it
0: many times a day, no joke. And none of you guys are giving me what I want, right? And uh, honestly, I don't know if
2: you saw, but Derek watched it last night, and he's not able to record with us this, this morning. Oh, but, but Derek watched it this morning last night, and he did the same thing. Except he just he just put a heart next to his. So uh, you you know he liked it. You know he liked it, but uh, you know again, you don't know you
1: don't know how much any of us liked it. But um, yeah, it's amazing. I didn't even think about that. I was I just uh, you know couldn't didn't decide right away and then kind of forgot
2: <laughs> yeah I've, <laughs> no. I've just been in a routine where I log a movie and then I've been trying to write a little more on letterbox so I just I, I rate it when I write about it and, um, and then since we've been recording, we were gonna record and talk about it I've just kind of procrastinated not writing about it but um, anyway so should I mean Sean do you me and Sean watched it together um, earlier this week it was pretty fun getting together and watching it um, I don't know Sean Uh, We talked about it briefly afterward, but, um, I mean, I've given it a lot of thought and I mean, it was a pretty great movie. Um, so, I mean, one of the things I liked about it so much was that it was very morally complex, which we can get to in a second. I know where you're going with what you're saying, Sean, but like it was a very morally complex movie and, um, very character driven just just a pure drama so it's one of those movies that we could sit here and really dive into and argue about the 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 morals and the um, intentions and um, like why characters do what they did and whose side we were on and we could we could sit here and probably just like dissect this movie for two hours there's just a lot a lot of uh, a lot of complexities in this film Um yeah, like what Sh- what Sean was saying, uh we we immediately when the movie was over, we like like the first thing I said was a disagreement about some of the characters' intentions.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was like it, Nick said like, "Oh god, that guy was a real piece of shit." It was like, "Oh my god." And I'm like, "Wait, wh- what? What movie did you see? What which movie are we talking about?" And it, yeah, it was like our take on a character, at least our initial Uh, take on the character was polar opposites. Uh,
0: It's a fascinating film because, I mean, not on the same level, but every character, I mean, arguably besides the daughter, but every character is a piece of shit in that movie. And also every character in that movie is also trying to do right throughout. yeah. Um, Yeah. On different levels of each other, but in that sense, like it, it is a very complex, like study of what everyone was going through. And I loved, especially on rewatching it, it really made me feel like a lot of movies that have this much going on, they make like leaps and jumps, and it can get really like rattling throughout. This movie is so brilliant to me, because everything like progressed so smoothly. And like every new scene built off of the last and i got why every character was doing each little interaction no matter how like spiteful or how redeeming it was like all of it made sense and all of it added up and the the, the writer of this film like checked off every box as they were going through to make sure people were doing what they should be doing and it's so rare that in a movie this complex like all of it works that well I agree with uh, it. Definitely flowed really well. One,
2: one. There were a couple times that I was like, why, why is a character doing this? There were a couple times that I thought that, and um, hmm. I mean, me and Sean talked about it a little bit afterward, and we're not doing, like I said, like we're not gonna do too much spoilers here. Like we could really dissect this movie, but um, I feel like even after after the movie, I was like, why did why did characters do this? And then we were able to even. Even briefly, be like, "Well, I think they did that for this reason, or I think they did that for that reason." But, um, you know, it's like they were—they felt like very real people, and I feel like sometimes you don't even know why people do the things that they do, and in that sense, it also was kind of realistic. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, I'm not always—I'm not always the biggest fan of pure dramas like this, but it was—it was a pretty amazing it was a pretty amazing like just dialogue driven. Like it was, it was a pretty simple story if you really think about it, but all the characters and the interactions were all very complex.
0: Yeah. I felt like this movie kind of belongs like also on a stage, like this would make for an incredible play experience because it's, the settings and the locations are so small and limited and it's such a few like small cast, everything could
1: work just like in a you
0: know in a live setting.
1: Yeah, it almost felt like it was it had the the drama um and, and kind of the intensity of a really big maybe courtroom drama uh maybe a, like an O J Simpson s- level of of uh you know courtroom drama, but it was such a small event and like these really intense scenes played out in this, not, not courtroom, but it was like a, I don't know, like a mitigation room or uh, in a, in a government building where it was like four people in the room, this tiny little room all yelling at each other and like, like going through what happened. And it was like, like, but it had this really big intensity and like, A lot of big emotions playing out through it. That was uh, it was really interesting how contained it was, for it. Yeah,
0: you hardly feel you hardly feel like they shot it in just like a tiny, Mm -hmm. you know, fifteen by fifteen square foot room. But that's that's what they were in. Uh, They do a really good job at you know making it intense, even though it's such a a dull, small environment. Yeah, and
1: and just another thing for me is like. You know I, I don't get to see a whole lot of uh, Iranian I believe it was Iran wasn't an Iranian film. It, yeah. yeah, I don't get to see a lot of Iranian films and um, I just loved seeing these people and and how they li- they live their lives and it was really interesting to see how their courtroom uh, or, or their their um, their court system kind of played out and
0: The culture and the religion is deeply written. Yeah, and film. like
1: there was like this, even though they didn't really talk about God or religion a, a lot in the movie, it was like this looming presence that that affected what everyone was doing at every part of the movie, and like I, I loved it was almost like this weight, the weight of their religion and um, kind of how their very religious society, uh, you know, affects these people you could always feel it playing on their decisions throughout the entire movie. And, uh, that was one thing I I really enjoyed. Yeah.
0: The, like the conservativeness or the liberalness of Mm -hmm. like the different characters and how subtle it is, but like who can touch who, or like who can see who naked or take care of this one person. And like all of it goes back to their religion. And I remember there's even like super subtle thing is like the, um, the one of the few words you hear the dad say is about about her cleaning him and he doesn't say like the complete sentence and the and his son or the main character doesn't necessarily hear it but like that's one of the few words you hear the grandfather say
1: oh yeah um,
0: i forget his line but he's like she like she took me in the other room or he says something super subtle and the the dad the dad doesn't understand what he means hmm. by it but He's such a conservative, you know, grandfather yeah. that that's the one thing that made him speak.
1: Yeah. And speaking of the grandfather, that, I don't know, you know, I don't I didn't know any of these actors, but like, especially the grandfather, that was a pretty amazing performance.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah. There was, there was that one shot when he's like next to the door and the dad's trying to communicate to him. And I was just looking at the grandfather. I was like, how did they find this actor? Like there's like, there's no way they found someone with Alzheimer's, yeah. but like this guy is a hundred percent living it and pulling I it off. I assume
1: he's, he must be just an Iranian actor who like is, he's, you know, he's just a really good Iranian actor. Probably been in a lot of movies that, yeah, it was, it was, uh, really impressive.
2: Yeah. Um, I felt like every character had their their driving force, the thing that really like they stood for and that they, they made decisions based on, and it was kind of a a conflict of whose driving force was maybe more important, or when when a conflict does happen, how the those things come to the surface. The there was like the the father taking care of his grandfather, the mother wanting to do anything to protect her daughter. And then like the lady with religion, like everyone had like their, their thing that all of their decisions were kind of based on.
1: But another, yeah. Another thing is like, there was a lot of kind of mystery in the movie. Like I, I still am not like, I'd love to talk about, you know, more about this uh, maybe after the podcast or something, Um, get more in detail on the plot. But um, there's a lot to piece together and to try and kind of figure out what actually happened and what, who was lying about what. And um, <clears throat> yeah, there it's uh there's a lot of in-depth plot details that, that you can kind of, they can affect what, who, who, what you feel about which characters. I just, I also wanted to say like on a
0: more visceral level there, there's maybe 3 moments in this film that like break my heart so deeply. Like I was mm-hmm. getting really choked up watching this by myself. Um I'm I'm not necessarily going to go over what they are, but yeah, this movie also really really hits me hard on an emotional level mm-hmm. like that.
1: Yeah. That the youngest girl the um there's the ol- older daughter of the kind of two main characters and then there's the younger daughter of the the um supporting yeah. mother and father. She was so cute and uh yeah, just watching her watching uh me watching her watching what was happening and what was happening around her was uh it was pretty heartbreaking. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So yeah, it was a great movie. Uh, good recommendation, Brandon. Uh, I think we all thought it was amazing.
0: Star star so. ratings,
1: go. Uh, I mean, I yeah, I'd have to go four and a half. Yeah, I'd go four <gasps> or four and a half. <gasps> I
0: mean, uh, oh <laughs> you no, you guys are breaking. You know, my heart.
1: I could, Brandon. I could be. Uh, like if we talked about it more in depth, that might be one of the reasons why I didn't give it a all out five is because I like there's a lot of plot details that I would like to go over okay. and Looks if good. I could hash out maybe a little bit better through talking about it. Um, yeah, Sean and I didn't talk about
2: it for that long because I had to get home. So we like talked about it a little bit and then like a few questions arose and I feel like we talked about like maybe why characters did what they did, but we didn't really get into the details of like what happened. And I mean, part of me thinks that like, we'll never really find out what happened. Like it's kind of one of those movies where the absolute truth of the situation doesn't necessarily exist. Like the characters don't know really what happened. So uh, I
0: don't know if we ever will, but we could certainly argue about it. I mean, I feel like I don't know what you guys are necessarily talking about because I feel like I have a really good rap over the whole movie but maybe maybe you guys have some good questions but i'd love to see if i can answer them for you um but yeah as you guys know i gave this movie five stars no surprise there
1: yeah that they are probably questions that maybe just watching it a second time i would be able to piece together quite a bit better it, Sean I
2: know already there were a couple things right I went home and read the Wikipedia page and a couple of my uh, questions were, were answered after reading okay, the Wikipedia yeah. page. so um, but yeah I think we need to move on though uh, because we have a lot to talk about. So uh, that was a separation. you can find it on Blu-ray or streaming It came out in 2011 and it's it's a great it's a great drama. so um, that was a separation. So quickly, we're gonna move on to our shorter reviews. Um, now that, now that we're getting back into, um, now that we're 2018's kind of in second half, there's movies that are coming out on DVD and Blu-ray that we haven't, that we've already talked about that some of us missed in theaters. And one of those for me is American Animals. I just wanted to bring it up again because it's one of the better movies of 2018 it's a very creative uh, great very creative heist movie i was pretty blown away by it the first half was like extremely fun and i loved the style of it where they you know they they they, they grounded it in reality by interviewing the real people and then reenacting the the heist the first half was super fun and then the second half gets dark really quick and um it's just a just an incredible incredible heist movie um So I just wanted to bring up American animals. I know, I know Brandon saw it. Sean, have you seen that one yet?
0: No, I haven't. I will say at this point in the year, it's definitely top 10 material. I mean, we'll see what happens with how packed the fall and winter is, but it is an incredible movie.
2: Right. And I'm still, I kind of want to see how much I keep thinking about the movie because, um, it's at this point, it's definitely one of the most interesting movies of the year. Like it's, it's, a pretty fascinating movie, and what they did with it, and the style, and everything. Um, I'm I'm wondering if I'm gonna if it's gonna stick with me or not, because the second half was like almost off putting how different it was in the first part, first part. But you know, it's kind of purposeful that way. I think so. Anyway, American Animals. It's a great heist movie. Um, wanted to bring that up real quick. Um, um, I also wanted to bring up the movie Searching. Uh, Searching was a a movie with John Cho where his daughter goes missing the whole movie the the style the the gimmick of it is that it all takes place on the computer screen so you're you're kind of constantly looking at John Cho as he's moving things around on the desktop and um it, it's it's a pretty interesting movie i was this was my choice of movies that i was looking forward to this month and um i had heard great things about it and Unfortunately, I was slightly disappointed about it, but I know that I'm, I'm in the major I'm in the minority about this. Like, so on our, on our favorite podcast, the slash film cast, all of those guys loved it. They thought it was like incredible because it takes social media very, very seriously in its accuracy. Like they, the way they move, um, through the different, uh, platforms is actually how you would use the platforms. And the way they use different uh, programs on the computer, all that makes sense. And like the characters are really organized on their desktop and in their hard drive, and you you go through and you can f- track everything really easily, which is which is really really great. Um, my problem with the movie was that um, I felt like the gimmick um, they 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 made it more of a drama than I was expecting. Like I was expecting it to be a little more um, of a crime film. Like maybe I was expected to be, maybe be a little more over the top. And this might be my problem because, you know, I saw the trailer and the trailer, in my opinion, led me to believe that it was going to be more like, I don't know, making a murder or, or, uh, even something maybe mystery. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a mystery. Don't get me wrong because he still is searching for, but it's less of like, it's less of like a, uh, Oh my god! I'm finding out all this new information, and more like, where did she go? I'm gonna track her down, you know. And so for me, because it was a drama, and it was like based on their relationship, I, 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 it didn't connect with me as much. I, I preferred the movie Unfriended, which is the horror film that has exactly the same style, where it's completely over the top and it's very ridiculous, but it, it works better for me in. In the context of it of you being stuck in that gimmick, and if it if it had kind of more embraced like the crime side of it, I probably would have liked it more. But because it was a drama, I had a harder time like thinking that it worked. Anyway, that's searching. I think it's worth a watch um, just for the gimmick alone, um, and you know other people seem to really like it. So. You know if you're looking for something different, it's definitely something different. I was a bit disappointed by it, but um, it was definitely interesting. So that's uh, probably that's searching, it's probably still in some theaters right now. Um, look for it on DVD. I right, Brandon, I think you've got the next movie.
0: So, a movie I saw uh, this month it was called uh, Nico 1988. Um, this is about the singer songwriter, uh, the musician Nico who performed in the velvet undergrounds and got really famous through them. Uh, She, I guess was like, she was predominantly a model and actually didn't do all that much in the velvet underground. And she got super famous and a lot of notoriety because of that in the whole Andy Warhol scene she was in anyway. So this is a biopic about the last kind of two years of her life in the mid eighties and her going on tour with her own experimental music and kind of the, like the, I mean her drug addiction and her loneliness that she feels after kind of trying to support herself with her um, own artistic abilities instead of what came before with the velvet underground. Um, It's, it's not a perfect film Um, it's maybe a little too simple and quiet for me, but one thing that does stand out is the performance of the lead, uh, Nico in this film is absolutely incredible. She goes fully all in and it's kind of one of those performances where the, where the actor like does not care to get gritty and gross and, you know, just like look like shit on a daily basis. And but she pulls off every moment of it, and it was pretty incredible to watch um, so for for that performance alone, I'd really recommend it and it seems like people are loving it a lot. It has a, some really great reviews going around online I gave it I just gave it three stars three and a half stars
2: nice. Um. Yeah, I, I really like the Velvet Underground. So this kind of I didn't know I didn't even hear about this movie until you went and saw it, and it kind of sparked my interest because I'm like, ooh, Lou Reed, the Velvet Underground, Nico, you know. So um, it's it's less of the Velvet Underground though, more of her like years after. Years
0: yeah, zero after Velvet Underground. It takes place in eighty five through eighty eight. So okay, uh, but it has you know she talks about it and she it it's affecting her life incredibly what happened before. Okay.
2: That sounds great. Um, I don't think that's come to Seattle yet. So we'll have to keep an eye open for it. That's Nico, 1988. So I wanted to bring up The Predator, um, the newest film in the Predator franchise. I think there's been four Predator movies. This is the fourth one, not counting Alien vs. Predator, uh, which I guess, like, why wouldn't I count? But yeah, those... Counting those, I think there's six or something. Anyway, this is the new film uh, written and directed by Shane Black, who is very popular. Sean, I know you're you're a big fan of Shane Black.
1: My most anticipated movie of the month. Yeah, you did not see (laughs) this though. Didn't even (laughs) see it. No, right?
2: (laughs) I did not. Well, you weren't missing much. Um, It was really, really bad. Like I want to say, this is one of the one of the worst movies I've seen this year, like definitely like, especially like blockbusters, you know, like I saw, I've seen some pretty shitty Netflix movies, but this one, like probably one of the worst, like action movies I've seen in the theater. Um, just, just very poorly made almost on every level. Like there are parts where the editing just doesn't make any sense. Like, like things happen to characters where I couldn't tell you what happened to them because they just like disappeared. Um, I I thought the writing was really bad. Like, uh, I know Shane Black's famous for his dialogue, but there were times where I was like, why are they talking like this? You know, just uh, I thought the dialogue was bad. The You know, there was some really – there was some really – there was some gore. There was some, you know, gore, but – Some of it was better than others. Like some of it was like, oh, cool. There's some cool gore. But then other parts, it was like that gore looks really, really bad. Like some of the CG just didn't look rendered properly, you know, and the (laughs) the story just didn't make sense. The characters weren't, weren't good. You didn't like any of them. There was one character uh, played by, um, what's his name? Uh, Sterling K. Brown, who was pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Like he, not interesting. He just he just knew what movie he was in. He was kind of hamming it up the whole time, but it was just it was just a really really bad movie. Um, and uh, some of the myth some of the myth building, like the Predator stuff, um, was was cool. Like I you know I'm kind of a sucker for franchise building and that kind of thing. So some of that was interesting, but overall it was just it was just a really bad movie. Hmm. So. Ouch. Um,
1: that's it's definitely interesting. I, I would love to hear um, like what happened because, you know, I, everything you're saying, like Shane Black always knows what movie he's making. He's uh, well,
2: from what I heard, there was like conflict with the studio. Like maybe he knew he was making a B movie, but maybe the studio wanted it to be better than better than a B movie. Yeah. And so there was, there was, there was mm. definitely times where tonally it didn't really make sense. And Maybe even structurally, like decisions were made (laughs) pre or during production that were like, hey, let's go in this direction instead. And just you could almost feel like a shifting of the storyline. I don't know. I think, yeah, I definitely think things happened behind the scenes that just made it not really work
1: out. So, yeah, I hope so. But that that does seem to be a kind of catch all for when. A director you like makes a bad movie, especially a big, a, a bad franchise movie. It's always it's always easy to blame the studio, but yeah, I wonder if any specifics will come out.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't really know too much. Um, I don't really know what happened, but I definitely can say it was a really really bad movie.
0: What'd you rate it?
2: Uh, one and a half stars. Ooh. So. Damn. I thought Jurassic World was better. I thought S- Solo was better. Um, you know, Ant Man was much better, Brandon. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: and um, Brandon, yeah, I mean, Brandon, like judging, like looking at our rating scales, like if you thought Ant Man was one and a half, this movie would be like half a star. Um,
0: <laughs> I'll let you know. Maybe I'll rent it in a couple months.
2: Yeah, you'll rent it and they'll be like, "No, it was actually pretty good, two and a half." And I'll be like, "You're crazy." <laughs> But um, anyway, so that's The Predator. It's probably still in some theaters, but I do not recommend it. Sean, uh, what say you?
1: Yeah, so uh, I saw A Simple Favor this month. Um, It's the latest Paul Feig movie um, with Anna Kendrick, uh, Blake Lively, and Henry Golding, who uh, just kind of popped up this last couple months. He was in... Crazy Rich Asians, and that's it. Like that, Crazy Rich Asians was his, his the first movie to come out that he was in, and he's in this one as well. And he's kind of popping up all over the place. I think we're going to see a lot more from him. But uh, let me read the IMDb description: uh, A woman seeks to uncover the truth behind the disappearance of her best friend. Um, so I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of this movie in a similar vein to a movie like, uh, gone girl. Uh, it's, it's all about kind of the mystery of what happened. And, um, it's, it's kind of also about how society is, is, or what it's trying to do is it's trying to do this kind of society is watching, um, these events unfold type thing, but it just kind of missed on every level for me. Um, I didn't think the movie made a lot of sense tonally. It was, it was a fairly light movie and it was almost going for kind of a, almost a satire on kind of Americana type thing and, and wealth. Um, But none of, none of the themes that I thought they might've been going for really made sense for the movie. Um, It like had this very light, tone to it but the subject matter it was dealing with was actually like really dark and like none of that made sense to me um and it was like it was very hard to kind of latch on to really what i was watching um and then for me the the ending just totally fell apart it was like four backstabs you know all in a row and um You know, it it just like goes in all these directions and it's trying to do so many different things. Um, I mean, I don't have a a whole lot to say about the movie. Um, It had some funny moments, but um, I guess for me, a movie like Gone Girl pretty much worked on every level that this movie was trying to work on. And
0: um, because even Gone Girl kind of had like a slight, like, dark comedy streak in it that Paul Feig probably could try to go for. Um,
1: Yeah, I actually thought Gone Girl was funnier than this movie was, uh, surprisingly, for, you know, it being directed by Paul Feig.
2: Yeah, it's, this is pretty surprising because, I I mean, honestly, I didn't even know this movie was coming out, but I feel like Paul Feig was, usually gets a lot of attention, you know, um, Mm -hmm. his last few movies have come out. He, Spy, Ghostbusters, they all pretty like you know a lot of attention you know whether or not you liked those movies or not they were like people were talking about them and i feel like this movie just kind of kind of came out and again i didn't even know this was a paul feig movie until until you said that you had watched this movie and um so it kind of sounds like he went off of way he normally does like he didn't make a comedy and the tonal thing just just didn't work
1: yeah, and it, it kind of brought into question if he, how good of a director, like a visual storyteller, he actually is. Cause, like, I mean, I feel getting, like we already knew that, you know, reading answer. into it a little. Well, but I mean, he, he we saw a, a few movies. So I didn't see Ghostbusters, but, you know, Bridesmaids and uh, Spy. I, w- I was a huge fan of both of those movies. And I actually even thought that Spy. Was kind of a good uh, genre film, like a, a good spy movie. You know, I had kind of had the look of it and feel of it, but um, you know, it's it, it, this movie really didn't make a whole lot of sense, uh, especially in terms of how he shot the movie um, and how it was put together. Because like there were some really dark scenes that played out as if it, it was a you know a lifetime movie, like it, as if he was shooting a lifetime movie. Um, it was very, it was very strange and maybe, you know, this movie did get pretty good reviews. Um, I think it got like 86% Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so a lot of people did really like the movie. So, you know, maybe I'm a, being a little harsh on it, but it just, yeah, nothing clicked for me on this movie. And what'd you get it? I gave it two and a half stars.
2: Okay, so that was a simple favor, and uh, Sean doesn't recommend it, but it's probably still in some theaters right now. So, if you're into s- suspense movies that aren't really suspenseful and they're kind of light and like lifetime movies, then you know, go check that
0: one out. It's such a depressing short review section. <laughs>
2: I know, just all yeah. these movies that we saw and didn't really like. <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to bring up a movie that I thought was a lot better than I was expecting. So, okay. And, yeah. yeah. So, this movie, um, it's an HBO original, but um, it was directed by, by Barry Sonnenfeld, who, I mean, he's been making movies f- since the 70s. Like, he uh, won Best Director for Rain Man. He did, like, Good Morning Vietnam. And, I mean, he's been making movies forever. And uh, Al Pacino stars as Joe Paterno. The movie's called Paterno. And, uh, do you guys know about Joe Paterno? Not at all. Mm-mm. So, Joe Paterno. Um, he's like the winningest coach in uh, college football history and it turns out this guy um, whose name is Jerry Sandusky he had been abusing little boys years later like like I said he was the coach in the 90s like in the 2000s he was uh, like one of another one of Paterno's coaches saw him in the shower um, in the locker room with with another little boy and then um, like an eleven-year-old, and then uh, that assistant coach told Paterno, and then Paterno he told his supervisors, like he told the two people that were above him at the university, and he felt like that was enough. But then when the scandal came out, um, it was the big question: was was that enough? Like, did Paterno do enough to uh, you know get this guy or protect the kid, the kids? You know, and um, it was a pretty interesting movie because um, much like the real life case, the attention from the media and the world and the people shifted from Jerry Sandusky who actually did these horrible, horrible things. It shifted from the focus being on him to being all about Joe Paterno. I mean, he's a legend and he's, you know, he's like this icon, but you know, he he whether or not he did, did enough whether or not he was in the moral right or whatever he he became the center of this story and the movie shows that by Sandusky isn't even a character in the movie like you see him in the background at some point like they're like oh that's Jerry Sandusky over there but you don't actually he's like not part of this movie at all the movie's only about Joe Paterno and his perspective and not just his perspective but it's like just circling around, around him. And, um, you know, he's just like, Hey, I, I coached football and I thought I did enough. I told my supervisors and then, you know, they must've not done a good enough investigation, but it becomes this whole, this whole crazy thing. And the whole movie just keeps spiraling and spiraling. And, um, it's a pretty interesting story and, uh, has a lot of like moral, like questions and you know, Al Pacino's great in it and um, it was just it was just a lot a lot better than i was expecting. I didn't really, you know, you turn on like an HBO original and you're not totally sure how great it's going to be and i just i don't know, i was pleasantly i mean it was pretty, you know, had pretty intense subject matter, but you know, i was i was very captivated the whole time.
0: Um, it sound it just reminds me a lot of the film Chappaquiddick um, that i saw recently. Uh, it's kind of a cheaper low budget film that is not true crime, but it's like a slice of history um, that has a lot of, like, moral dilemmas on if they did enough or not. Um, yeah, this sounds really interesting. I, I knew nothing about this. I might have to check it out. I'm
2: surprised you guys hadn't heard about this because it happened fairly recently. You know, it happened in uh, 2011. Like, I remember when this happened. It was. I mean, it was I remember huge, there was some sports
0: story. university incidents. Um, so maybe this was one of them, but I just didn't know. The guy or the details? Yeah. Anyway,
2: so that movie is Paterno. It's available on HBO, so HBO Go or or whatever HBO source you have.
0: And what'd you give it?
2: I gave it three and a half stars. I think. Um, so now uh, we're gonna do a special segment on this show where we're gonna do a uh, featured preview. So uh, the next this September was kind of a slow month for us, and we're gonna do a uh, we're gonna do an in depth review of Mandy after our feature preview. But September was kind of slow, and uh, we thought it'd be fun to look ahead for October, November, December, and when all of these uh, big movies start coming out. I mean, Brandon, you you did some research for this, and you how how many movies do you say were on your like watch list for the next few months?
0: I mean, there's. There's like twenty really great directors putting out movies in the next or from now till the end of the year. Um, that doesn't even include January, February, like even smaller releases that come out. Um,
2: and that doesn't include movies too that we like, you know, don't know the directors or yeah, don't know about the Yeah, don't yet. know.
0: These are these are specific directors that I've loved their past couple of movies. So that is that's shocking. This is kind of quite the event that's gonna come up. Yeah, so basically each of us did a top
2: five movies that we're looking forward to. Obviously, we don't know the quality of them yet, but these are just like based on who's involved or the plot or the trailer, like movies that we are really looking forward to. And so we're going to do the same game that we do uh, for our end of the year episode where we count count down. We start at number five and then we each go around and say they're number five. And if someone has it any higher, we're going to punt it. So uh you know, uh, we'll eventually get to each movie that we're pretty excited about. We're going to go pretty quick on these, uh, not talk about them in depth. I mean, obviously, we're not reviewing them. We haven't seen it yet. But just kind of say why we're looking forward to it and, you know, why we're excited.
1: So, um, okay, we'll start with Sean. Sean, uh, do you want to start us off? Um, Yeah, I'll start us off with um, Mary, Queen of Scots. Ooh, yeah, I don't even know. I've never even heard of this movie. I saw that, but why Why this one? I'm... So, um, Mary Queen of Scots, it's coming out December 7th. Um, <clears throat> it's by kind of a, I don't want to say a first-time director, but a, um, she doesn't have a, a lot of credits, at least nothing that I recognize, some TV stuff. Um, she did a, a Much Ado About Nothing, a Shakespeare adaptation. Um but it's it's uh, starring uh, Sersha Ronan and Margot Robbie as uh, Mary Queen of Scots and uh, Queen Elizabeth. Um, yeah, and I I've see, I saw one or two trailers for this movie, and it's just going to be a you know a battle between Sersha Ronan and Margot Robbie for like best actress. It, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, that sounds really interesting. Um, Do you know when that comes out, Sean? Uh, Yeah, it comes out December
2: 7th. Okay, cool. Uh, That's Mary Queen of Scots. Brandon, what about you?
0: Okay, so my number five is a movie called Shoplifters. Uh, This movie was the Cannes Film Festival uh, earlier this year. And the history of the winners at that festival are absolutely amazing. You know, like Tree of Life. A more Blue is the Warmest Color, Last Year was The Square. So every year, their, their top movie is like one of my top movies. So there's I had no choice. But even though I know nothing about this film except that a one, um, I think it's a Japanese film, but it'll probably be up there in the top 10 once we see it.
2: Yeah, um, I have this movie on my uh, watch list too.
0: Um,
2: just Yeah, just based on the same thing. I didn't put it in my top five, but... Yeah, This movie looks really great. He, the same director, directed a movie I saw last year, I think, called After the Storm. That oh, was nice. a pretty heavy drama. Um, it was, it was really good though. So, um, so my number five was uh, The House that Jack Built. It's the new Lars von Trier film, and he's a pretty controversial director. He's like known for intensely emotional. Psychological horror, like Antichrist and Melancholia, Dogville. Hmm. And this one's, again, another psychological horror film. It stars Matt Dillon as a serial killer in the 70s and 80s in Washington. So, you know, that's close to home. Um, this movie premiered at cons. And apparently, like, 100 people walked out of the theater. Jesus. <laughs> that's how he likes and, um, it. But, but then he got a standing ovation after it was over. So, I don't know. Uh, Lars von is just—I—I've I, always been a fan of his. Just he makes these very artistic, very emotional movies. So uh, was his know.
0: last film *Nymphomaniac*. Yeah, his last film was it's *Nymphomaniac* a, parts one, two. Was a few years ago, so he hasn't yeah, done so anything since. Yeah, so this is
2: sense. first. Yeah, this is the first movie in a little while. So, um, yeah, when me and my wife st- first started, uh, like hanging out. We watched a bunch of Lars Von Trier movies together. That was like what we did. So, you know, uh, uh, you know, st- we started the relationship off on a really uh, emotional level. So, <laughs> I'm pretty excited for the house that Jack built, though. It should. It looks it looks pretty dark, and, but also the trailer looks like it's kind of humorous too. It's kind of hard to tell, but anyway, that's the house that Jack built. It comes out
1: on December twenty eighth. Sean. Uh, yeah, we're bumping up to number four. Um, <clears throat> my number four is The Favorite. Anyone? Can you guys hear me? Oh, uh, oh you're, cu- you're coming in.
0: I was muted.
1: Oh, no. Fuck, punt. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so punt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was muted jeez. for so long. I don't know how Our that happened. Is
1: just... Panicking over there right <laughs> but it's panicking I was like shouting, <laughs> "No, don't go any farther!" All right, sorry okay, to take so that away from you. No,
2: it's, it's a skip into Brandon. I
1: felt like I I paused for way too long too, waiting for someone else yeah, was was like hey, Sean no one's Move on.
0: <laughs> and then when you didn't say anything after I said punt, I thought you guys were waiting for me to talk to go on to the next movie. Uh, oh, it was all confusing. All right, okay. So, my number four is a little movie by Damien Chazelle called First Man. Punt.
2: Uh, Punt. Thought so.
0: Okay. (laughs) Next. Okay, my my
2: number four is Under the Silver Lake. Um, It's a new film by David Robert Mitchell. It's his Mm follow-up to It Follows, which was one of my favorite movies the year that came out. I think it was like 2013. And um, that was a horror film. This one's – it's – on Wikipedia says it's a neo-noir which um it looks like it's taking elements of classic noir like with the femme fatale and the mystery and being in Los Angeles but it also looks like you know neo noirs are typically like modern based and have elements of newer films and this one stars Andrew Garfield and he basically he meets this meets this girl and she goes mi- missing and he's just obsessively looking for and tracking his messages and apparently he uncovers some conspiracies or whatever in Los Angeles so I mean I'm a sucker for a noir and I've always heard this I keep hearing little bits about this movie about how it's like it's pretty interesting just it sounds like it takes it goes in some interesting directions and I don't think it's going to be a movie that everybody loves but it it kind it kind of piqued my interest so um, I'm really excited about it
0: I hope that's also a movie that's very much about LA and its and the neighborhood, you know, Silver Lake. Yeah. I've I've gone there a few times recently when I've been visiting my grandma and hung out in that neighborhood particularly. So it'd be cool if they uh actually like shot it all there and on location. Yeah, I feel like it's got to be. It's got to be. So, um that movie
2: comes out December 7th. So, Sean, what's next?
1: Next is uh Widows. Oh, that's my number 3 too. Oh. Brandon, are you, are you uh, muted? No pun. Shockingly, <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. no pun. Wow. Punt. All right. Um, yeah, this movie is uh, directed by Steve McQueen, uh, who did a few other movies, including 12 Years a Slave was his last movie, which won Best Picture. Uh, I don't believe he won Best Director for that. Um, and then before that was Shame and Hunger, which is
0: one of my, I think, one of the best movies of all time for Which me,
1: one of? Is Hunger. Hunger. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it has a pretty incredible cast with uh, Viola Davis, Liam Neeson, yeah, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, um, Robert Duvall, Colin Farrell. Um, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, Daniel Kaluuya. Da- yeah, Daniel Jackie Kaluuya. Weaver. Yep. Um, phenomenal cast. Um, it's also written by... Uh, Gillian Flynn who who wrote the who, who's a novelist who wrote uh, Gone Girl and Sharp Objects and a few other wa- hugely popular books uh and she actually co-wrote the screenplay of this with Steve McQueen um so yeah uh, I saw a trailer for it and it it looks gripping and intense and so yeah well,
2: so the difference between this movie and some of his other movies is that, like, this one is – it looks like a genre film. Like, this is yep. a heist movie. Mm-hmm. And um, so it looks like it still has his trademark, like, <laughs> like intense drama because there, it looks like there's some, you know, pretty sad stuff that happens. But also it's a heist movie. So it might not be as, like, you know, shame. Yeah. That was just, like, you know, over the head with its drama, you know. And 12 Years a Slave, I mean, obviously that was, like – Extremely yeah. intense. So this movie looks like a little less intense, just because it's a heist movie. But also the style still looks like Steve McQueen yeah. of very dramatic. So that's
0: kind of why I took it off my top five. Um, he's one of my favorite directors, but I just know this film is going to be a little more um, less stylized and a little more. God, it sounds so weird. Uh, not like popular as in it's going to be, I think much more blockbustery, and I'm sure it's going to be crazy good quality and he's going to have his hands all over it. But I, I just think it's going to not be like his other three, but still very excited for it. It was my number like six or seven. Yeah. Well, um, cool. So, uh, Brandon, what's your number three? My number three is, uh, fantastic beasts, Ooh, wow. the crimes of Grindelwald.
1: Wow. Wow. <laughs>
0: Um, even though like, I didn't think the first one was, uh, the best Harry Potter film. Um, I, there was so much still to love about it. And I think JK Rowling is doing a great job as a writer and being still just as imaginative as ever. Um, and so with them teaming up, I'm hoping they're just going to keep growing similar to what they, you know, how the first series grew over time. And the new specifically it has to do with the second trailer that just came out this week. The second trailer is fucking batshit insane. And this movie looks jam-packed full of just like the most amazing magical events. Uh and it got me really hyped for it. So I'm very excited.
1: Yeah, I'm also very excited for it. Uh I, I just I guess I just haven't seen a trailer. I've kind of been avoiding trailers and especially this year, I've been avoiding as much as possible uh learning about movies and Um, Yeah, just trying to go into movies as as pure as possible. Yeah,
0: that movie comes out November 16th.
1: Cool. So, Sean, what's your number two? Uh, My number two is a little movie, as Brandon said, uh, called First Man. Oh, that's my number two, too. Oh, wow. Good job, Nick. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, it comes out... um, Oh, you know what? I didn't say Widows came out uh, November 16th, but uh, First Man comes out fairly soon, October 12th. I'm not sure if that's a wide release or what, but yeah. I think it is. I think so. It comes out in the next couple of weeks. Um, Yeah, it's uh, Damien Chazelle's next movie um, starring Ryan Gosling, and um, I guess like there's not – I don't really recognize uh, any other of these actors – um, but yeah, Damien Chazelle, who did uh, Whiplash and La La Land, two movies that I I uh, <clears throat> very much enjoyed. Um, it's a movie about the first man to walk on the on the moon, um, Neil Armstrong, and yeah. Um, right now we're in a we're in a big uh, space era, a, a second big space era, um, with all the SpaceX stuff that's happening and uh, companies that are really progressing uh, sp- rocket technology. Um, it's getting a lot of people excited for space exploration. And uh, this is a very timely movie um, that looks like it's going to be very, very good. So yeah, I'm really excited for it. <clears throat> yeah. I
2: mean, say what you want about La La Land, but uh, you know, uh, Dima chazelle is easily like uh, one of the most exciting young directors coming yeah. up right now. And like whether or not you like la, la land or not you have to say it was amazingly directed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Whiplash and la-, la Land both were just phenomenally directed films and uh, I, yeah, I'm just I'm just psyched
0: to see what he does with
2: with this story.
0: Yeah. I think I was the only one who put it as my number 1 uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right. And, and I have first man a little lower than you guys. Mm.
2: Well, the, but, but the thing you can't say like you're putting yeah. too much stock into these rankings. Yeah, like I know. we don't, we don't know the ranking. We don't know I, if we really like these movies or not. Like First Man could be horrible. We don't know. I made this I list know. this morning.
0: <laughs> Brandon, what's your number two? Well, yeah. Speaking of not much thought, like this is one I found out about last night, and I'm shocked I hadn't heard about this yet. But my number two is the favorite.
1: Yeah, Sean no mentioned puns. This earlier.
0: Yeah, um, Yargos Lanthimos. Mm-hmm. Nick, you don't have this in your what? This is like no. Your director.
2: I'm not. I'm not always <laughs> super into period pieces. You know, okay. I don't. Oh yeah, I, you and, hate those and, little Renaissance I British don't, films. You know, I tried to like them, but and then also I didn't like the killing of a sacred deer like hardly at all. So hmm. you know, I'm not. Yeah, like,
0: this this director is. Incredible, and I can't believe he's came out with this. Is his third movie in a row, maybe something came out before that. I don't know. Well, Dog but Tooth he's came on out
2: before the... that, and Dog Tooth is supposed to be amazing, too. Yeah, but I don't, don't think I need
0: have do that. Um, yeah, and this movie, yeah, so three he'll be like four for four. The trailer r- sold me on this movie, it looks so fucking good. Mm-hmm. And like, it's funny that you say it's just like a period piece because this is like a stylized, fucked up, like murder. I don't know what, it, what it's going to be, but it looks amazing. Um, and it comes out November 23rd. I can't wait.
1: Um, I was actually going to say, like, uh, I was excited because it seemed like he was going back into the comedy uh, stuff that he was doing with, like, with the lobster. And I haven't seen Dogtooth, but I imagine similar to what Dogtooth was. Because I didn't, I really didn't think uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer was a, was a very funny movie. I really liked it for other reasons, but... This seems like it's it's going to be a much lighter kind of more bizarre style of comedy like uh The Lobster was. So that's that's why I'm excited for it. And it looks looks beautiful. It looks uh the costumes and the sets and everything looks pretty amazing.
2: <clears throat>
0: yeah.
1: Totally. So when does that movie come out?
0: November 23rd.
2: Okay. My brother's birthday. Uh, I have a feeling we all have the same number one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's so obvious. Yeah,
2: so the number one, I think, for all of us is the new Alfonso Cuarón movie, Roma.
0: Yep. Oh, right. Punt. Okay. My punt. God. <laughs> hey, punt.
2: Well, punt for all of it. We're all We're all at the same level yeah. at this point. It's all of our number ones. I put it above um, number one, though. Oh, yeah. like it's 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 already yeah. your number one movie of the year. Yeah. You know, pack package it up uh, yeah. as best picture for the Academy Awards. You know, give it give best yeah. director to Alfonso Cuarón. You know, Netflix can go home with their uh, first Oscar win. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this movie
0: should be incredible. I mean, so you guys all watch the trailer then, yeah. even though you're semi avoiding them. Yep. Yeah. I did yeah I, I watched, watched the trailer, trailer. It's, yesterday. It's a for the good first trailer to watch. It's subtle. Yeah, it it, it, well, it doesn't give away nothing. anything.
1: It tells you nothing. It's just like look how beautiful this movie is going to be. I
0: think it's worth mentioning um that he I know you guys know this, but uh he also shot the whole movie. Um he's produced the whole movie, he wrote the film, clearly he's the director and he's also editing the film.
2: Yeah, so this movie is going to um, I mean, just based on his history alone, like children, men, gravity, you know, these are some of like the best movies that like children, of men might be like, that's one of my best movies of all time. And, and the buzz is saying that it's, it could be like, it's supposed to be Netflix's first like best picture nominee. And I hope it still gets released into theaters. Cause I, I like going to theaters for these kind of big movies, but,
1: um, yeah, I, yeah, I would th- be very sad to not be able to see this on a big screen.
0: It will, yeah. but I don't know about Seattle, guys. Um, the, I mean, the new uh, the new um, Green Room director's movie that is, is a Netflix release, correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's showing in New York and Los Angeles right now.
1: Well, like, um, so Mandy is... Well, I believe Mandy Mandy's is already Mandy's a little different, on, though, yeah. because... It's not a Netflix Mandy had, like, movie, a but... very...
2: It's not Netflix, but... And you're right, it is available yeah. on streaming already, but it... It, it's like, that's a B movie though. Like mm-hmm. that's a movie that's not going to get a lot of attention. Yeah. And it's run in Seattle was like, it only, it's only playing at one theater at nine o'clock PM. Mm-hmm. That's the only time it's playing. Yeah. Um. So, I mean,
0: so that if that really
1: exactly. yeah, get... If Mandy is, is playing somewhere in Seattle and also it was, it, it did a Mandy had a mid, at least a midnight showing at like a re, the Regal that I always, I saw it at Regal Thornton place in Northgate. So, uh, so hopefully Roma will have at least something like that. If, if since Mandy's in theaters, <clears throat> yeah. Well, we don't know. Yeah. But yeah, uh,
2: I hope it is. Um, yeah, like I don't really know too much about the plot except it takes place in Mexico City in the '80s, I think. But um, yeah, it just it just looks like a beautiful film, and you know, based on this director and the buzz,
1: it just you know, got to be excited about it. Does Alfonso Cuarón have a an Academy Award nominee even nomination? I think he won Best Director for Gravity,
2: but I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. Okay, I thought he I thought he had it. Let me let me really quick. Okay, you're right. Yep, yep.
2: Anyway, uh, it's gonna be a crazy fall and winter for movies. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of great movies coming out. Um, I've got a few honorable mention ones that we didn't bring up. I know Brandon does too. Uh, yeah, just real quick. Yeah, we could just you know say you know uh, Bad Times at the El Royale comes out uh, in October. That looks really interesting. That's a new Drew Goddard film, and he hasn't made a movie since Cabin in the Woods. So that should be interesting. You know, the Coen brothers have a, a movie going right onto Netflix, um, The Ballad of Buster
1: Scuggs. What? I didn't even know that. What? <laughs>
2: you guys didn't know that? Uh-uh. Yeah, it was supposed to be a
1: uh, – it was going to be a miniseries. This year?
2: Hmm. yeah it's coming out like I don't know the date, but Fuck. it's supposed to come out yeah. pretty soon.
0: What is going on with this year? Yeah <laughs> um, Okay, yeah, a couple a couple of mine is first time directors, uh, Wildlife, directed by Paul Dano, who's Ooh, right. one of my favorite actors. This is his directorial debut and it's getting remarkable reviews. So I'm really excited for that and I'm excited for him. Um, Also, Jonah Hill's directorial debut, mid-90s, is getting a lot of good buzz, Mm -hmm. and the trailer for that looks really great.
2: Um, If Beale Street Could Talk, Barry Jenkins' follow-up to Moonlight, Um, Mm -hmm. that's supposed to be great. Um, There's this movie called Beautiful Boy that stars Steve Carell and Timothy Chumlet, and um, I don't know the director, but it's about, like, you know, a father dealing with his son who's a meth addict, and, that, and it,
1: it just looks really emotional. Isn't but, that um, isn't uh, Holly in that movie like The Office? Uh, Michael Scott and Holly are are husband and wife in oh, that back movie. Back together, yeah. Is
2: this like really the follow up of The Office? Yeah. It's like Office <laughs> Season uh, Fifteen. And speaking of Timothy Chumlet, uh the guy who directed "Call Me by Your Name," Luca Guadagnino is. Uh, directing Suspiria, which is a remake of a '70s horror film. That's one of the most acclaimed horror films. Um, I haven't seen it, but I'm, I'm probably gonna watch it for horror movie month next month. And he's he's uh, doing he's remaking that movie, so you know that should be
0: interesting. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, Bryan Singer is directing that, and I'm just excited for the performance. And it should be a really interesting biopic. Do you know
1: how uh, how much he directed of that, or like at what point? Because he he got fired. Uh, from that and and dexter fletcher uh came in and and finished it Uh, although i'm not sure how far brian singer got in it interesting okay i'll have to read up on that it was like the you know the um there was a scandal with brian singer some accusations but yeah and then he got fired from it but he might have gotten most of the whole way through it uh yeah i
2: think he still has directing credits
1: on yeah it, so he does he probably does. did most of it um
2: creed 2 you know i loved creed 1 so pretty excited about creed 2 see how that goes
1: i'm kind of anticipating aquaman um i don't know hardly anything about it james right. wan is directing it like, I, I like know. james wan yeah i like james wan yeah i'm,
0: like I'm not wan. excited well excited, on that but. note I'm excited for Bumblebee then.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of <laughs> excited for Bumblebee.
0: of the Kubo and the Two-Strings yeah. Director is different. When yeah. that. does that
2: does Bumblebee come out this year? Yeah, yeah. Is that December or something? I don't even know. Okay. Well, I mean John Cena is I was going to mention that.
0: Bumblebee, but if you're going to
2: mention Aquaman yeah. then I'll <laughs> – John Cena isn't that. I'm actually pr- I'm actually like you know pretty into uh um that Lady Gaga movie with Bradley Cooper. Oh yeah, I'm like, look, yeah, it's getting amazing yeah, reviews, I and I guess
0: the last the three versions of the film are all like loved by critics. Well, and fans, yeah, there so. it's a
2: classic movie that's been remade. This is the fourth version of the same movie. Really? There's like a '80s version with Chris Christopherson. There was a and Susan Sarandon. There was another one with uh, Judy Garland. Like they've they've remade this movie a few times, and, and I,
0: it's such a good story. Everybody loves every version of it.
2: <laughs> right, and I mean. I'm like, I, I, I think it looks pretty cheesy. Like, there's parts in the trailer where I'm like, oh, Bradley Cooper, you're so cheesy, stop it. But then but then Lady Gaga starts singing and I get goosebumps. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know,
1: I, I'm in. I'm in for it. <laughs> yeah. There's, so, uh, yeah. <clears throat> there's also. It's his
0: directorial debut, maybe Bradley
1: Cooper's. Yeah, yeah, that's or another actor's. I, I believe it's his debut. Yeah, it is. As far yeah. as I was aware of. Um, there's also. Joaquin Phoenix's third movie of the year, um, at least third movie of the year. The the sisters brothers. It's a western um, with John C. Riley as well. Oh wow! I haven't even heard of that one. That'll be on. I, I might. I'll probably add that onto my westerns uh, western movie list.
2: Okay. Well, um, I think we should move on though, guys, uh, to a review of Mandy. So Mandy. Um, Real quick, let me read the plot summary to it. This movie's crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the Shadow Mountains, 1983. Red and Mandy lead a loving, a peaceful existence, but when their pine-scented haven is savagely destroyed, Red is catapulted into a phantasmagoric journey filled with bloody vengeance and laced with fire. This is the new film by Panos Cosmatos, and it stars Nick Cage um yeah it's it's a crazy ride this movie's uh pretty insane um i don't know exactly where we should start off but um um general impressions okay I got some. yeah brandon start us off
0: <clears throat> this movie i think the right word for it is visionary the, the guy knows exactly how to make the movie he wants and there's jaw-dropping shots and jaw-dropping moments and atmosphere throughout um, I think this movie has a lot of incredible stuff in it and I think it also has a lot of stuff I really didn't like in it and it kind of came together this mixture of like a love-hate relationship as I was walking out hmm. of the screening of this film um, but I respect it a lot, and hopefully we can go into some details on both sides of those. Um but yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty conflicted, but I'm also okay being conflicted.
1: Okay, cool. What about you, Sean? Um yeah, I'm I'm maybe a little similar, but I I didn't strongly dislike anything about this movie. There were some things that I thought were a little uh you know, didn't emotionally uh the Emotionally, the movie as a whole didn't click for me, although I did feel like, um, especially through the first half of the movie, the, it it had me, uh, in like so many of these scenes were, were just emotionally gripping and like, it just had this looming fear that, um, uh, that just had me going for most of the movie, um. Some things didn't quite connect, especially in the end for me. I didn't think the the ending was as powerful as it it kind of built up to be. Um, I thought I, you know, I loved uh, Nicolas Cage in it. Uh, the visuals were pretty amazing. Um, yeah, he did some great stuff with. I, I assume it was uh, it was shot on I think sixteen millimeter. I would guess and. Um, the some of the lens effects and lighting effects that they did with the movie was a, was uh, pretty spectacular. Um, it's
0: like J.J. Abrams on acid. Yeah, with lens flare.
1: Yeah, yeah. Although I would not com- ever compare this movie to anything J.J. Abrams has done. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. This movie's insane. Um, I thought it was pretty fantastic and I think I loved it but I also don't know at all who I would recommend it to like in fact like I don't even know if I would have recommended it to you guys like it's it's like you know I could see people wanting to go to this movie because it's like it's you could sell it as like a Nick Cage you know goes crazy and kills people movie. And you know, we all love that and not, not we all love that. There's a certain type of person that loves that. But, um, but this movie is a lot longer than, than you would expect for that kind of movie. And in fact, that type of stuff doesn't even really kick in until like way later on in the movie. there's a lot of just like atmospheric long shots, like just, just long shots of scenery and mountains and trees. And you know, I could I could see someone sitting there and thinking this is stupid, you know, or like, why is this taking so long? And like for me, like I'm glad I saw I'm really glad I saw in the theater because, uh, you know, th- like I said earlier, th- there were there weren't a lot of screens of this movie. And if I would watched this at home, you know, I would have been tempted to, like, you know, pick up my phone maybe and, you know, s- just kind of dink around a little bit. Th- this movie is like it's meant for that in that. that all-encompassing, like, dark experience where you have no choice but to sit there and not do anything else and be absorbed by the tone and the feeling of the movie. And, again, the tone and the feeling might not be something that you're into because it is, like, it's pretty dark, it's very psychedelic, it's very trippy, it's, uh, it's, it's just, like, it's very moody. It's got the specific mood and... It changes halfway through the movie, but it's very uh, it's very uh, intense for what it is. Okay. Okay, let's go into spoilers for Mandy. Spoilers, after this point, we're going to be spoiling Mandy. So,
0: so, can anyone tell me a little bit more about the tiger scene? Yes. Um, yeah? I think so. Well, okay. I think that scene was that was the as weird as this movie is that was the weirdest it i got. completely forgot
2: well, about that. i don't know scene. why I don't the i don't know why the tiger was there specifically but i'm pretty sure that was the guy who was manufacturing all the acid like these guys oh. were yeah like this cult this religious cult that they you know that he was getting revenge on they were making drugs they're making acid they were all tripping out together but then they had Whoa. like a special brand of it like a special intense version of the acid that That he, um, that he was giving to those demon bikers, and so those demon bikers were going crazy. Okay, so the
0: bikers weren't weren't demons. They were just like on drugs and dressing up really cool. Right. Well, cool. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I thought they were like straight up supernatural beings. No, but that makes a lot more sense. (laughs) I thought like if they were just like on drugs and like their own
1: little. I thought like I like that that drink that they gave (laughs) the demons was like some satanic potion or something that got them to do what they wanted or yeah I was I'm pretty sure it was just like so. the
2: acid I think it was just a lot of law drugs like that drink was just was just drugs and then they also like killing people because of it
0: or something uh-huh. and so it's like we're giving you this drug now and then you can kill those people later but that helps my biggest critique actually not the t- not the tiger guy necessarily like I'm sure there's some I mean you, you gave me a great explanation for it but My, one of my biggest problems with the movie was how, like, I mean, it's still kind of there, but how weak, like weak sauce, the demons were once we actually got to fight them. Cause their appearance in the woods on their bikes was so like terrifying. And their kidnapping of the two main characters was really scary and intense. And I was like, so ready to go deep into what those people were all about and then when nick cage shows up at their place they're just like in a trailer and he kind of just slaughters all of them in 5 minutes without any issue and they're also like living in a trailer with a lot of beer cans everywhere so yeah, i was just it turns, like really it turns let, out let down it's like built rednecks
2: up. doing drugs in the woods i mean they had that huge pile of coke they were just like yeah. they got the they got the acid. they killed some people they went back to their trailer and they're just kind of Hanging out, doing coke and stuff. I mean, there were some weird parts in that for me, in that scene even for me, where like, I mean, first of all, like, Nick Cage making the sword was very insane, and like, I don't know, you know, I I didn't. <laughs> the movie gave us no like reason why he should have been a like, you know, uh, uh, a blacksmith. A blacksmith.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Instead know, of being like, a lumberjack, yeah. he should have just been a blacksmith. Yeah, I really right. Messed
2: that up. Um, but like, I mean, it was, it was cool though. Like it was a cool scene. Like, I mean, I, I let out like a a pretty, like it was pretty awesome seeing him make that sword, but it was also like, oh, okay. Well, he's just all of a sudden a blacksmith. And then when he, you know, he wakes up in their trailer, like they have the sword like on display already. Like they already put it up on their shelf and then he finds his other weapons, like in the closet, like under a bunch of their other stuff. I mean that it's just kind of, kind of random a little bit, but um, I don't know, I don't really fault the movie for that necessarily. I don't think the movie is really supposed to make that much sense in a lot of a lot
0: of those ways. Um, but yeah, I was really let down by like the pipe just falling on the guy's head and then he like trips and falls off the ledge. I was like, really like you spent that much time building these guys up and they're so fucking terrifying looking and that's how. Each one of them is going to
1: die. I kind of even felt... Um, I felt that about... He did fall for a long them. time, though, and that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, why yeah. Except for the other guys were mostly just normal people, and then he did get a great chainsaw battle, which looked awesome. So, like, I, I thought the cult was scarier than the demon guys. But I guess, which, I
1: guess I just didn't have any, like, you know... I felt like I was supposed to be saying, fuck yeah, at some point in this movie, but I just... I didn't feel that.
0: <clears throat> yeah. I do wish he had more... I don't need him to have issues, but it needs to be more than just a sequence of scenes of people dying within thirty seconds. Like I need him to be figuring something out, Uh at least, instead of just teleporting from person to to person without any
2: problems. I don't need that. I don't think this was the movie for that. I thought it was like you know he 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 had the most horrible thing that could ever happen to somebody. Like that happened in front of him, and you know he. There was like that, I don't know, I, <laughs> I thought it was a pretty like transformative scene when he was in the small bathroom just... Um, drinking, oh, yeah. drinking vodka and then dumping it all over his body and crying. And like, you know, I, 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 on one level, it's like, you could look at that scene and be like, Oh, that's Nick cage meme factory. You know, like yeah, that's just Cajun Cajun being cage. But I thought that was like really powerful. Like yeah. I, I felt his like sorrow in that scene. And then it just becomes like and you know, the movie switches, you know, I mean, I feel like, I feel like the whole first half of the movie is very slow and sets the tone of the mood and then, and the mood being like, uh, heavy metal, (laughs) the mood is like the, the mood is like a a heavy metal album cover Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and you, you, uh, you feel that and then, and then the metal kicks in. And that's, like, what the revenge is. I mean, the the movie do, ad, by itself doesn't have any heavy metal in it, really. Like, there's no, oh, God, there's the no heavy metal music. But, though. like, it, oh. it kind of captures that tone of, like, you know, it's, like, spacey, psychedelic, you know, a beautifully shot, like, album cover. And then... And then it, and then the craziness hits, and you don't need him to track people down. You just the movie is it becomes a revenge fantasy, and it just pure revenge and killing, killing, killing. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm glad You're, you
0: are making me like it a, a little bit more, Nick. Um, I, I, I want to say before we get too far away from your word meme factory on Nick Cage. Um, I'm actually I was kind of mad at my movie theater at how much. They, they kind of like ruined some aspects of the second half of the movie because people were just, I mean, like you were all in on the Nick Cage screaming goes insane meme. And people were definitely just laughing unnecessarily because they were watching Nicolas Cage on a movie going crazy. Well, that's what and people it, it was wanted with this movie, me, like I, think. You know, I think. I mean, I, there was there was funny parts, but people were just erupting in laughter way too much the second half. And I kind of wish I saw it in a smaller theater or... Right, and, you know, by I definitely think bit. that
1: that's how the movie was sold, though, or at least like the, you know, how people have talked about it. It's like Nicolas right. Cage covered in blood, going crazy, and like doing all this crazy Nick Cage stuff. It wasn't really that. Like
2: the movie that is is the movie that came out last year, Moms and Dads or Mom and Dad, where like parents parents want to kill their kids, and Nick Cage is a parent and he goes after his kids. Like it's a like a zombie. Slasher, over the top, crazy Nick Cage, like, you know. At one point, he's like doing the alphabet while smashing something with a sledgehammer and just screaming, you know. And but you know that movie's like eighty-five minutes long. You know, it's a quick, fast-paced horror film that's just like fun and exciting. This movie is not that at all. It's like a, a, uh, you know, it's it's spacey. It's long. It's you know. So if you go in for expecting like moms and dads. I could see you like being disappointed, you know, you that extra that extra time, like this movie is a little over 2 hours. If that extra time, you know, gives you the opportunity to think about how dumb the movie is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you, if you're not buying into it, if you're not into like the spaciness of it and what they're doing with the movie, I think it gives you plenty of time to be like, what the hell am I watching? This is like this is dumb, you know? And um, I didn't think that but I also like like I, I watched moms and dads last year with a group of people like I probably had like eight people over at my house and we were all laughing so and we were cheering it we were cheering it on. it was like really fun. The people I watched it with like told me they watched it again like two nights later and we had to like rent it off of Amazon like I think I paid like six bucks for it and then so they must have paid for it again like the next day and it's uh you know it's a really fun movie, but again, I don't I don't know if I would recommend this movie to that same group of people because it's yeah, not at all. I mean, I might, I'll probably bring it up to them, but it's also like, it's, it's not that movie. It's yeah. I guess uh, I'll, I'll also say artistic. like,
1: I kind of, what I have said so far about it and, and what I, you know, maybe some letdowns of the movie that really didn't affect my enjoyment of the movie at all. Um, I was, I was pretty into the movie while I was watching it. Um, and, like, that's kind of those judgments that I was making about it are more how I would judge another more serious movie or, uh, you know, maybe a more dramatic movie. Um, but, yeah, this movie, like, it was something entirely different. And um, I, I did very much like the movie pretty much all the right, way Right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. This movie wasn't You seem to be pretty good serious. at that, Sean.
0: You, I feel like you say that often. You separate your enjoyment with also later criticisms yeah. pretty well.
1: Oh, thank
2: you, Brandon. And this movie wasn't—it wasn't serious, but it was very serious. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. a comedy, but it had some very ridiculous, funny moments. But it also like was beautifully shot, and I don't know. It was very specific for for what it was. Well, how and, about um, I,
1: how about that score too? Oh my oh, gosh! Jesus, like, so haunting yeah. and heavy, <laughs> so, so heavy. Johan Johansson, yeah, and
2: that was his last. I think he's he passed away. So that was his last
0: score that he's done, and yeah, it was that was amazing. We'll, mm-hmm. um, we'll all need to go uh, backwards and check out uh, this guy's first movie, uh, Beyond the Black Range. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, I've heard a lot of mixed things about it. I've heard that you know, uh, I've heard that it's much more stylized and like the plot doesn't (laughs) more stylized.
0: I don't know if I can handle more style. This is like top tier, like bursting with style at every moment. Right. Um, I don't know if it can be pushed any further. Well, we'll have to see.
1: Yeah. I've definitely heard a lot of mixed, mixed stuff. And I've even heard that people who really liked this movie didn't like, uh, his last movie so much, but it definitely, that's got me like exactly what Greg said. Yeah,
2: yeah. Greg, uh, Greg recommended Mandy for me. And he, uh, he was like, uh, that movie
0: did not do it for like the one before did not do it for me. Ooh, it's on Netflix. Why is it really? It's just streaming on Netflix right now. It's good to okay, know.
2: Well, uh, let's all stop podcasting and go watch the movie and we can come back, uh, tomorrow and, uh, yeah, finish it. But I do think we need to wrap it up. Um, uh you know, thanks for podcasting, guys. It was uh you know a good episode. Um where can you, Brandon, where can people find you online?
0: Uh Instagram Brandon underscore bulby and letterbox at Beb7. Or wait, I think it's just Beb.
1: Sean. Uh you can find me at uh letterbox at uh, bulbinator. Cool.
2: And uh, I'm Nick Moffitt and you can find me on letterbox at Mothman23. Uh, Letterbox is a great way to keep track of the movies you're watching and interact with your friends, your other movie friends. So, um, uh, I'm doing horror movie month next month. So, uh, if you want to follow along uh, with horror movie month, uh, I'm gonna try to write reviews for every horror movie. So, uh, I'm trying to do all 31. So, anyway, uh, I'm pretty excited for the next few months' of movies. So, you know, we'll talk to you guys again uh, next month. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>